Then put your little hand in mine There ain't no hill or mountain we can't climb Welcome to Groundhog Minute the podcast where we celebrate the 1993 classic Groundhog Day, one repetitive minute at a time. <laughs> I'm your host, Sean. And I'm your other host, Dave. And joining us today, we have a special guest, comedian, illustrator, and party game publisher, Carolyn Maine of, oh, hi. of the very, of the very <laughs> special episode. I'm, I'm trying to introduce you, Carolyn. <laughs> no, Carolyn Maine of the very special episode and Pitch Please. Thank you. Oh, yeah. On a very special episode, we always leave a gap and then say our own name. So that's why I stepped on you. <laughs> I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to give you the when to give you the whole the whole red carpet. Okay. Thank you. I uh, fell down, but my drink was intact on your red carpet. So I'm having a great time. Thanks for having me. <laughs> well, yeah. Thank you for for joining us. Thanks for stopping by. For uh, well, you're here for for a minute twenty seven. And so so Dave, let us know what are what are we in for for a minute twenty seven. So in minute 27, Phil explains his predicament to Rita, and she says he should get his head examined if he's going to try and pass this off as a reason for not working. Meanwhile, there's a commotion at the diner when a stack of plates is dropped, and when a, cu- when a couple of locals hear Phil's name. So this is kind of a break into Act 2, isn't it? When he first like tells the truth to someone about his experience? Yeah, so this is this is his third time through. This is the first time. So Phil is... This is not deja vu. It's not a dream. He's convinced that something's happening. And yeah, the, the first time that he's telling anyone about it and that someone is is Rita and she doesn't believe him. So this is a, a turning point in their relationship. Well, at least a turning point for Phil. She's not going to remember this tomorrow. So I don't know. If it, <laughs> so I don't know if that counts or not. But yeah, so kind of kind of a big deal. And it's it's interesting. So we've seen... Phil go from very cocky, very confident, very self-assured, almost too, too confident to now he's looking, he's willing to ask for help. He's admitting, uh, you know, he doesn't exactly know what's going on. He doesn't understand it. Yeah, I suppose being stuck in a repeating Groundhog's Day, like the good point about it is that you can ask for help because no one's going to judge you tomorrow. That's true. Yeah. yeah, that's true. So I don't know if Phil, yeah. Phil hasn't quite Albert. figured out the, the, the good points of it yet. Yeah, he's like just starting to experiment with his boundaries, of which there are very few now. Because, yeah, the silver lining is nothing matters. It's all reset tomorrow. I think he definitely thinks at this point there is like no chance of him getting that free pass or is, is it getting to the next day. So, yeah, it's like. We're, we're just getting into that, yeah, that rut of, oh, well, like, this is going to repeat tomorrow, but I at least got to, like, I guess, I guess, yeah, go to Rita to try and get whatever the scientific route is of how to handle this. Right. Because, yeah, she's virtually a stranger as of one day. I mean, one day to her, but a few days to him. But, I mean, he knows Larry's not going to help him <laughs> out, and yeah, he probably doesn't want to, like, steep to go, to go to Larry's level, you know, of this – uh uh, 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 for this help, but um, is Larry Chris uh, Elliot? Is that yes? Yeah. Okay. Great. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because like I said, Larry, I, I he hasn't done anything so far in this movie that made him to be like a bad guy, but just that like he, you know, he's just a blue collar guy who really does not want to put up with Phil, and he's just and he's been doing it for years. Yeah, we, he's so great at this. 
I'm always like so welcoming to see Chris Elliott, and this is like peak time for him. Agreed, agreed. Oh yeah, yeah. Er- early '90s Chris Elliott is is the best Chris Elliott in, in my book. Um, what a vintage! <laughs> you guys remember the '90s when we were kids, and and it seemed like the world <laughs> stay that good or a little better. You remember that? Uh, I remember the '90s. <laughs> <sighs> so. I, I, I like how like Rita is like obviously super nice to the waitress and the sticky buns are heavenly. She's like really like being nice with the charm. But as soon as the waitress looks away, she just drops and gives like the stink eye right to Phil. <laughs> She's like, I'll be really nice. No, these stink buns are great. All right. It just, I just love that like exchange. Yeah. Like, you can tell like, she's putting on the face for the waitress. And then she's like, no, I'm aggravated. Like you just walked off the set. And uh, you know, and we had me and me and Larry had a cover for you, the one job you had this morning, and you didn't do. Yeah, and that's interesting. So that's one one difference between the script. Well, one of many differences between the script and, and the movie. Even the the most recent version of the script that I could find, Phil still does the broadcast. That the walkout that we saw yesterday, he he does the coverage. He introduces the groundhog. And then he walks off and he's like, Rita, I got to talk to you in the diner. Uh, whereas this, the Phil in the movie is, is less professional, is a less professional guy. He just walks off. He doesn't even do it. So that certainly would explain uh, some of the animosity coming from, from Rita in this scene. He just, yeah, because he just, he's just blew off his job. You know, he's there. He's got one job, do one thing, introduce this stupid rodent, and he can't even do that. I wonder if that character choice ended up having to do anything with Bill Murray on the set of this. Isn't this where him and Harold Ramis lost their friendship for good? Um, well, I wouldn't say for good. They did reconcile at the very – of course, it was the very end for, for Ramis. But yeah, this uh, this was the sixth collaboration on film for for Ramis and, and Murray – and yeah, something happened that they, I think it was like 20 or 21 years after this movie, they didn't speak. And some of it was they, at one point they, after Ramis had, um, had cast Bill and Bill agreed to do it, they did tailor a lot of the script, you know, to, to, to Bill Murray. And then he did a lot of, kind of improv. He brought in Bill, I mean, uh, brought in a lot of things on the set and we'll have a line. Is it this? Actually, it's ne- It's the beginning of next, next minute, so I won't bring it up, but there's a lot of little lines, things that Bill does that aren't in any of versions of the script that it's just, that's pure Bill Murray doing his thing, um, which it gives us a great movie. It's kind of a shame that it ended up um, affecting their friendship like that. Yeah. Another point I really like about it is uh, they maintain the monotony of the feeling of the character being stuck in time by actually shooting this for the most part chronologically, right? So that the days would stack together and part of Bill's performance is him actually getting really pissy. (laughs) Yeah. So the, all these scenes that are in the same, like same location with the same characters, they kind of just film them in a row. And so, yeah, by the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh time that they're doing uh, a different version of the same scene. I could see now. I could be. I could see it being more difficult for the other actors because Phil can get can get frustrated. He can get tired. He can get bored of the same thing over and over again. 
but everyone else has got to be fresh and act like right. this is the first time it's happening for them. So it's going to be a real challenge for those other folks. And so speaking of which, I just want to just quick point out there's – so a lot of the folks um, in this scene we're going to see again. This is sort of a setup. There's going to be a lot of scenes coming back to this diner. So we're we're seeing uh, Doris, uh, the waitress right up front who's pouring the coffee and uh, taking credit for the sticky buns that I'm sure she had nothing to do with <laughs> other than just bring them over to the table. But And then we'll see – so towards the end of the minute, we see Gus and uh, Ralph or a couple of our Punxsutawney locals. And then in the table behind them is – Nancy, who we'll get to know later. And then also we see um, working at the diner, working at the tip top is the other waitress, Alice. And um, what's his name? The waiter. Oh, see, I was going to wait till we get to that minute. So I bill did not bring it's bill. Well, I just I'm just yeah. Well, I mean, we'll have more to say about him later, but I just want to, you know, so to kind of just mention it. So people that are watching along one minute at a time. Start kind of looking and 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 keep just keep things in mind that maybe they'll come back later. We might just That's be through point. this day <laughs> a time or two more before for the movie's over. Um, going to spend a lot of time at the diner, so hold on to your sticky buns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, so so Carolyn, uh, Dave, and I we've we've talked about our our diner history a little bit on a previous show, but. Um, how about you? Do you have any fond memories? You spent a lot of time growing up. You mentioned the '90s. '90s was a good, a good diner decade. Yeah, let's see. There's absolutely so. I live in the hipster mecca, Portland, which is now like a cliche, but it was <laughs> it was still a cliche in the '90s. We just weren't so uh, on the nose with it or publicized. Uh, there were definitely like a cool little coffee shop at my high school where, when it was a prep rally, the <laughs> The, the cool kids or the, what do you call us? We weren't stoners. Most, the ones of us who smoked would smoke cloves on the hill. So we oh, yes. The kids, right? <laughs> a little too, like, aware of the machine to want to go to a prep rally. So really good mm-hmm. latte place down the street we'd go to. And then the other cool diner is, like, an all-night one in downtown Portland, which I think is still happening. I won't give it the plug just because everywhere it goes – too many other people in it. So if you don't already know, you're out of luck. Mm. But that's a great one because you could go there after a uh, first Thursday gallery opening thing or a rock and roll show and like hang out for an hour at 3 a.m. Get some really good eggs too. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I want to know, do you think one of the reasons why Phil, not just because he's aggravated with with, with doing Groundhog Day, but you think one of the reasons he walks off doing it is to get more attention from Rita. Like if he did it and then kind of went to her, she'd be like, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, we got to load up the van. You know, if he stayed around and kind of hung out with her and Larry, I think they would kind of like, you know, they're going to do it in a little bit anyway. We're just kind of like, yeah, we'll get back to Pittsburgh. We'll, we'll talk about why the, you know, why it was aggravating you or something. Like they're going to ignore him more. So if he walks off, he, de- he, get, he demands the attention from Rita, but it's like, you know, a really aggressive attention. She doesn't, you know, yeah, the fact that he didn't do his job and she's going to have to like go back to the network and explain, yeah, I know the gas cost all the, you know, the time and the gas and the lodging and uh, Phil didn't do the job he was there for. And, you know, she's going to have to explain that. Yeah, yeah, probably also too, just to like bolster the character arc and show him just be the absolute dick that he is in the low point. Mm-hmm. 
So that being trapped in this repeating timeline, you know, he comes to appreciate the simple things and with a little bit more of a work ethic for his fellow man. Spoiler. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think, um, I think from, from a movie perspective, it certainly, it certainly helps. Like we want to jump right to this scene of, of, Phil confiding in Rita. We don't need to see them jump in the van and then they get stopped by the accident and the roads close because of the blizzard and then they come back. We don't need to go through that again. Phil doesn't need to go through that again. So let's just jump to to this bit. Um, as a character, though, I, I buy it at this point that Phil is just tired. Like, again, he didn't want to do it once. So the the and seeing kind of really the the half effort barely half effort that he put in the second time. I, I think it's believable that by the third time through, he's just given up. He's not even going to bother. Um, yeah. Yeah. Diminishing returns. Though, I, though it does, I, I, the one thing it does seem a little quick to, to kind of catch on and, and maybe it's cause he's in the situation. I can't really um, kind of imagine what that's like for everything to be exactly the same three days in a row. But one of the thing is like, so people in a movie aren't supposed to know they're in a movie. And what he's saying is like, unless you're in a movie, like in real life, that sounds very crazy. It's very far fetched that you're going to be living one day over and over again. And so I don't think I don't buy like he's at the point yet where, you know, things have no consequences. It's going to be, Another day or two, I think, before I really buy that he's at the stage of just letting it all hang out and I can do anything I want. Yeah. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd be worried at this point, that like, OK, if I get comfortable and I do something really crazy or I just don't do my job, then this then suddenly tomorrow is tomorrow and I'm fired or, you know, I'm going to lose my job because I didn't do the broadcast or I'm arrested because I, you know, I. I drove all over town and and went off the road and everything, or I did something crazy. Like, I feel like it's a little bit too soon to go completely off the rails. Yeah. Mm. I guess this might be like where he approaches that because he confides in Rita and then the next day it's going to be a blank slate. So he's like learning what boundaries he doesn't have. Right. Okay. Here's my next, this is my next, this was just popped in. I wasn't even a note. I just thought of this is that, this is probably a reason why he didn't – one of the reasons why he didn't have coffee to this morning at the bed and breakfast because he's probably – maybe he was doing that as he's throwing the clothes on. He's like, he's like uh, I got I to gotta figure out how to get to Rita. Where, and he's trying to figure out like a place to take Rita to like have his talk and he's like, the diner. Okay, and then that's why you know one of the reasons he gets out and doesn't have the coffee because he's going to have the coffee here. Oh, yeah. And what, so like you know he's – because he says you know, he doesn't want to spend any time here but now, now he's like, well, I'm going to have to. So I might as well like do it somewhere I'm comfortable. So he does a diner and which makes the plates falling funnier because to him, he's going to go, Oh, I'm going to have to deal with that every day now. Like he's like, <laughs> he's like, I'm going to have to remember like his plates are going to fall. And so it's, it's like another thing where it's just going to be like, oh, this is like, this is like a safe place right now. I can just have the coffee. I can explain my point to Rita, you know? Uh, but it's it's it, you know it's this is all his fault that he didn't want to be in his town really long. So the attitude she's coming at him is a yeah you did you didn't do your job and b why can't we just do this in the van to to Pittsburgh? 
he gave this this opinion of we're going to go in, I'm going to do the recording, and then we're going to get out. We're not going to spend any time in this town. So her and Larry are like, all right, we're set on that. We're going to do the Groundhog. We're going to get in the van and go. And so when he you know does this whole, no, I, I can't go, and I want to, it's too much into the next minute, but it's just it's just funny. He added this kind of like urgency mm-hmm. to the other characters because of his own fault. Yes, when it was when it was February first, he didn't want to stay there at all. And now they're like, okay, well, you said you wanted to leave. We're ready to leave. Yeah. Going back to the coffee, maybe he really prefers the bathroom in the diner. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's really <laughs> Yeah, possible. warm water. Yeah, warm water. Is he having the same poop every day? Oh, my God. He probably right? would. <laughs> like, Because his body would just reset. <laughs> He's like, at 9 o'clock, I got to go to the bathroom, and I don't want to – I don't want to do it in the bed and breakfast. I'm just going to go to the diner and do it. Right? Because I want the old lady walking in on him. He likes the diner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I See, if you didn't, like, the next day have a different poop based on what you were eating, it would be like you could eat anything you want. And he does do some of that. But, yeah, I wonder. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> right. Yeah, because we, we've, we've talked about some of the implications of this – this cycle that he's trapped in and while his while his brain is kind of moving literally so he remembers and notices all these things happening his body is resetting for each day so yeah he would have he would have have the same poop <laughs> he would get to he would get to know that poop cuz it'd be the same every day <laughs> what if it was like one of the worst poops of his life too if they were uh, like, oh no I had nothing to add to that day. <laughs> at least you could plan for it, you know, and become part of the montage where he's good at everything. <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah, he knows exactly where to go to the store to get the really the softest tissue. <laughs> he's like, oh, I'm getting a soft plug. Right. He so find, Yeah, he's got to find the bathroom with like the most comfortable seat. He finds the softest <laughs> tissue. The best bathroom Did- in town. It's probably like in some fancy store. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, every day he goes to each store, checks it out. He's like, this ain't bad. This ain't bad. What if it's somebody's house? Like he just starts at what, at some point, he just starts going door to door at 9 a.m. every day. So, excuse me. Can I, here's, here's a thousand dollars. Can I use your bathroom for five minutes? Or what if when they were gone and he just like went in the window, just like totally. <laughs> <laughs> a really rich person has. <laughs> <laughs> Be. Yeah, he learned everyone. Yeah, he learns everyone's yeah. patterns, so he knows who's not who's not in the house. He's like, I can just walk right in and use her and use her best toilet. <laughs> oh, potty hammer. That's good. But I, I really like uh, to to kind of bring it out of the bathroom again. Okay, yeah, no, we're fun. done. We did it. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> I really like the point about the dishes dropping. That like yeah. he, he he's looking for a refuge. He's looking you know the diner. He's looking for a place where he can just sit and relax with a cup of coffee, have a heart to heart with his producer. And the way he jumps, I mean, this is it's just a natural. You're startled. There's a loud sound that you weren't expecting. Everyone kind of jumps a little bit, but he goes like he's sitting on an airbag. Phil explodes, yeah. and then he holds his head, you know, his hand up to his head. Like he overreacts to this thing and it isn't just 
the loud sound that kind of startles everyone. And I think part of it is, yeah. Oh my God. Like here, like, is there no, is there no place quiet in this town? Is there no place I can sit? I'm going to get no peace and it's going to be the same every day. Yeah. Poor (laughs) Phil. Yeah. and, And speaking of the same every day. So we've, I've mentioned this before, how people say stuff and they think they're being clever or they think they're being unique and really they're just – they're stuck in Groundhog Day. They're saying the same thing that everyone else says and you know, first it's – I think it's Gus. When the plates fall, he, he, he gives them the – just put that anywhere, which I, I'll, I'll raise my hand. I'll plead guilty. If I'm in a restaurant – and someone, you know, drops a tray of dishes or something. I'll. That's what I say. Oh, um, because of this movie, or is that already your line? I think. I think. I. I don't. I. I think before the movie, <laughs> but that just goes to show. Like you think you're. I think I'm being unique or funny or witty, and it's like, well, no, it's just Groundhog Day. You're just saying. You're just repeating something someone else has said a million times, and. That's another very real sensation of adulthood. Like I'm in a meme club and you see the same meme every couple of months, you know, it's like there's only so many things. Yeah. And then at the end, I think it's Gus again, when they like overhit overhears uh, Rita calling Phil, Phil. And he's like, Oh, Phil, like the groundhog, look out for your shadow. And it's like, okay, the guy's named Phil. He's in Punxsutawney on groundhog day. Like he hasn't heard, a groundhog joke or a shadow joke a million times. Right. And it just kind of goes to one of the things I'd said earlier, just that like there's a there's a literal interpretation of this movie that there are ways in which we are living the same day over and over again. And one of that isn't even, even if it's not an individual, it's kind of a collective. If we're just saying the same tropes and we're just reliving the same tired cliches – isn't that what Phil's doing here, going through the motions the same day over and over again? Yeah, it's a really mundane part of life. Like, I first watched this when I was a kid. I rented it on VHS, and it was just kind of funny. But now as an adult, I'm like, oh, shit, that's really what I feel like. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, that's really depressing. Yeah. <laughs> that's what life is like. Whoops. <laughs> Whoops. I, I, you know, so we have Rita with the very uh, – she's got the body language, just just, oh, yeah, just anger. Arms are crossed. The, the yeah. brow is furrowed. She's looking very – yeah, very cross yeah. and disappointed. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I have the shot where she's on the right and she's, she's looking at him. Um, we have that newspaper, The Spirit. So happy Groundhog Day showing – but when he explains his, his story to her, you know, she's, you know, she's, you know, explain why you're too sick to work. And then she still thinks he's joking. Like she, she's waiting. She still thinks that this is some kind of long game that he's wasting her time with, you know, like to her, obviously mm-hmm. this is the first time he's done this, but to us, he's tried to seriously engage her several times. And she always starts off with, I don't take you seriously. I don't think you, you never talk about work. You never, t- you never take anything serious. So he asked, he knows he's got to like, he's kind of like, he's got to crack that ice. Mm-hmm. First, the first thing he's got to do is like, say it. He knows it's not going to make any, any penetration past her, her anger toward him or aggravation and stuff. And then he's like, I got to explain it again. And maybe it's this camera thing, but around second 33, we get, we get a close up of her and it does this like slight zoom as she's talking about how she's racking her brain. It's like this, like little, this little intense zoom that 
I don't know exactly what it means, but maybe it's supposed to be like it's the first time she's actually like thought about Phil's predicament mm-hmm. in a serious manner. I don't know. What do you What do you think about that? Uh, this little slight, like, there's a just just a little the littlest zoom when she's saying that. Yeah, she might be just beginning to consider that, just beginning to thaw. You know, there's a blizzard going on with her against Phil too, and just like that first wave of sunshine where mm-hmm. she's looking past and past him being the work dick that he is that she hates. Yeah, and yeah, it's almost like she's about to have even more lines. Holly does that zoom. She's like, I'm racking my brain. I can't make any sense of this. It's almost like she she's like. You know, like more things to say, but yeah, and it's 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 a real subtle zoom because it doesn't like her. The top of her head stays in the same place in frame, but it pulls in a little bit. Like you can see it, kind of the bottom of the frame rises as 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 it zooms in just a little bit, really subtle, and yeah, it kind of just emphasizes her. You know, she she's. She's a nice person. She's an empathic person. She wants to be generally a helpful person, but she's also dealing with Phil Connor, the jerk that she just met yesterday, who's bragging about how he's going to go off to some major network and now he's acting like a kook. And I think there's, I think she's a little torn. I think Blizzard's a a good metaphor that it's Mm -hmm. okay. I'm a producer. I'm a professional. I'm supposed to be helping this guy, but at the same time, He's been nothing but a jerk, and now he's acting crazy. So what can I do? And she ends that her line with, I can't see why you would make something up. Like, it's just this, I keep coming back to this point, Phil, where I feel like you're going to make some long joke about this. And, 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 you know, and that's when he says, you know, I'm not making this up. It's where we, we're, yeah, we're like slowly cracking the ice. On day three, with him trying to make yeah that 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 statement to her that I need I need help yeah and so one of the things while he's reliving this day he's only reliving this day so he doesn't get a second shot at that first impression the way he treated Rita yesterday the way he was yesterday he can't redo that like if he if he was different if he was a normal person if he was em- empathetic with her from the beginning. Right. He'd be getting a different response from her now, but he's not getting that do over. Yeah. This is all, yeah. This is all, everything he set up between him, between her and Larry is, yeah, is his fault. He set the standard on that drive up to Punxsutawney. I don't want to do this for longer. I can't wait to get out of here, not look at you people anymore. It's just, yeah, he has nothing but disdain for them. And then, and then, you know, twice actually, wasn't it? It was technically. It was they get up there. She says, I'll invite you to dinner. So she's given him the chance to win her over dinner. Mm-hmm. He says no. And then and then, yeah. And then at the, again, on, on the first Groundhog Day, when they get stuck in the blizzard and come back, she invites him a second time. So, like, there is some part of her on even on those day on, on Groundhog Day where she will say, I will, I will invite you to dinner. Me and Larry going to dinner and I'm giving you a chance to actually, like, be a, a reasonable person. So he knows that that is in there. That that was the first Groundhog Day when she asked him to dinner a second time. Right. And he said, no, I'd rather go home and look at Hustler. Like, you know. He's reliving his worst day because he made it that way. Yep. Mm-hmm. Certainly. So that's about – that's that covers my notes for minute 27. I, you got anything else? My only note – and I, I can get to talk – we talk about uh, character actor Rick – to common tomorrow. 
But okay. I think it's kind of nice is that, yeah, like uh, the one thing I would like about this diner, maybe it's because of that, is like you have the sound of plates falling and there's plates all over the wall. So it's almost like mm-hmm. it's like reminding you that anytime you're in the diner, hey, remember, plates are going to fall. <laughs> it's, it has, it has yeah. this, it definitely has this grandma's dining room that if like if you had a, a family member who collected commemorative plates, this is like the, the, pe- like the ultimate collection of, of plates like right right behind Rick Dukama when he laughs at Phil's name like there I can't tell but it looks like some kind of commemorative uh uh groundhog plate or something right right next to him you see that that's great so they're keeping that in frame making you remember it all the time <laughs> and also being like oh where you're flinching because you know the plates are gonna drop I bet you like each one of these plates is like some little town in Pennsylvania and the owner's like, I got the whole collection. Every town of Pennsylvania has has I have that plate. Yeah, I mean, some of them look like they might be Dutch, or you know, they they might be actual nice, you know, nice glazed plates from Europe. And then some of them are clearly local local souvenirs from either the Groundhog Festival or or a different local town. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's one. It's like it's. Uh, yeah, like where the groundhog's got a top hat and he's carrying an umbrella. That's probably not worth too much. <laughs> In this town, it's gold. I'm guessing that's not an antique. Uh, I suppose you guys had already talked about this year in real Groundhog's Day, how the groundhog bit a dude, right? No. I... I, I, was it, was it, yeah, was it in, was it this one? Cause apparently like other countries have similar festivals. So it was American Phil. Uh-huh. Yeah. He bit like, I forget either a government dude or like one of his handlers. I hope it was a government dude. That would be awesome. <laughs> I'm fed up. Ah, takes him out. Yeah. And this point in time, everyone's fed up. And even that groundhog is showing like the stress of it all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they, they do bite, and they have they have prominent upper teeth. And I think we, we've talked about the the Groundhog Festival in the film. You only see one guy, and that's like a professional animal handler. It's not an actor. The one guy during the the Groundhog Festival that handles the animal. Because yeah, they they will bite, no doubt. They're uh, they're vicious little suckers. Watch your ass, everybody. <laughs> well, I guess I that probably. They're they're somewhere in the middle of the movie. Like they the you figure the groundhog is living groundhog day. Every I mean, if you're a groundhog, every day is groundhog day. And sure, at the end you're you're enlightened and you're helping old ladies across the street and catching people as they fall out of trees, little boys and all that kind of stuff. But that's only at the end. There's a couple thousand years in the middle <laughs> where you're just you're just salty and yeah, you're gonna bite a guy. <laughs> like I got to do this stupid thing again? Yeah, I'm, I'm biting. I don't blame. I don't blame the groundhog at all. I'm on the groundhog side. Same team hog. <laughs> uh, well, now I am. I'm ready for. Uh, I'm ready for tomorrow. All right. Well, let's see if tomorrow ever comes for us. <laughs> well, Carol, we want to thank you for joining us. And if our listeners want to hear more of you, where can they find you? Oh, lucky for our listeners, we've got a couple of options. Uh, First of all, I have a podcast with three other fantastic co-hosts. It is called A Very Special Episode, and you can find that on Google Play, Podbean, and Stitcher. 
and the River City Podcast Federation, which is a really cool Portland network. All of the podcasts are great. And I have a second podcast on there that is called Pitch Please. And that is an improvisational cinematic theme where I've developed a card deck of 53 movie cliches and players are tasked with making up a movie pitch in one minute with just three cliche cards. So please check that out. It's very fun and it has all kinds of Portland talent. It's just um, like I laugh a lot when I'm editing it because the contestants really make some movies you certainly have never seen before (laughs) under duress. It's beautiful. So you can also find that on iTunes and Podbean and check it out on the River City Podcast Federation. Thank you very much, Carolyn. And is, is, is one of those movie cliches living the same day over and over again? It isn't. I would suppose the closest is time travel casual. Okay. So maybe for the expansion pack. Yeah. Yeah. No, it'd be great. I, I did want to do 100, but I, I, was, I was like 53 is already way too many. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. Great. Well, so folks, yeah, check that out. And so thank you for listening. And we will see you tomorrow if there is one. Bye-bye.